This podcast contains advice that should never be followed, spoilers you'll wish you hadn't heard, and language you wouldn't teach to children. When life gets you down, your car just won't start. Agony It's time for Agony R. If you've reached a dead end, you're not sure what to do. Agony Well, Agony Art is for you. At times life is grand, you've got the world in your hands. Then somehow you drop that ball. Drop that ball. Instead of watching it fall, give Agony Art a call. Hey, welcome to Agony Art, a regular podcast in which three consumers of books, music and films try to solve your problems using examples from the great art of our age. Or, more likely, just leave you with a fun reading, listening and watching list to enjoy in your spare time. My name's Aaron, I'm an author and slow reading bookworm, and I've got Carl, our film buff, and Liam, our music guru, here with me in our swanky studio, which is actually my kitchen. Say hello, lads. Hello. Hello, Lads. Lads. Uh, nobody knows us, and this is a new podcast that's coming out of nowhere. Do you think that we should start it with a kind of aimless chat, have a couple of minutes of just us catching up with each other, or um, do you think that will bore people? I think you can justify it once. <laughs> once? Only once. Just on the first episode? Yeah. So is this it? Because <laughs> <laughs> you listen to some podcasts and they've got 10 minutes of chat at the beginning, and it gets pretty boring doesn't it yeah I, I don't like podcasts where you're 15 minutes in and it's only just starting you know I, i've got a, an hour commute so i've got a little bit of leeway to put up with that but for people who aren't in the room liam uh, did a little mime of the steering wheel just in case commute. you're not sure what type of commute it could be a train and the way he was doing it he was veering around the road <laughs> how do we do our train commute do we just hold something it's like yeah. hand up. i'm holding my hand up now <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. I think this has gone well. Yeah, this is dog shit. (laughs) So, before we begin, I've got to point out that none of us are experienced counsellors and we can't promise that our advice will be any good. Biggest problem we've had to solve this week was whether we include that chat in the beginning of this episode. And we will be going forward. (laughs) (laughs) We're really only here to have fun. So, if you're having... Fucking ice cream van. Ice cream! (laughs) So if you're having a real hard time, I'd recommend hitting up our website for guidance on who to turn to. That's agonyartpodcast.com. So now we've got that out of the way, let's get on with it. Here's our first problem of the day. It says, growing up, I was always very close to my mum. But as we grow older, we are drifting apart more and more. Now that I'm an adult, I think I'm starting to hate her. She is overly critical, controlling and moody. She puts pressure on me and makes me feel guilty when I don't follow her orders. What can I do to repair the relationship? It's pretty heavy. It's a very heavy We're going deep. Yeah. Yeah. So before we begin, I suppose I should point out that to protect the innocent, we'll be using fake names for all of our contributors. So, um... Let's make up a name for this one. Let's say Peggy. So, Carl, have you got anything for Peggy? Um, yes. So, if you Google films about relationships with your mother, number one on the list is going to be Precious from 2009. And so I thought, I'm going to watch Precious. And this is when I first started out researching. I thought, I'm going to watch every film, which is going to be a bit of a task. But watch every film in the world. Every film in the world, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 1% in. But, um, so I think that's pretty good going. Yeah. <laughs> So I watched Precious and um, 12 minutes in, Precious's mother says, I should have aborted your motherfucking ass. So I don't think this is going to help because I don't think they got (laughs) off on the right foot to start with and probably didn't have any love there. So I still watched all the Precious to see if it got any better or to help with this problem, but it doesn't. So Was it a good film? It is a good film actually, yeah. Yeah. The mother's played by Monique, who I believe is a musician of some kind. I think she was Oscar nominated for the film as well. and um, But no, it is a good film about uh, deprived people in New York. And um, it's a bit sad as well. So you really brought the mood down. If you like Peggy, it could be a lot worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the silver lining, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it could always be worse. In Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn, a novel published by Widenfield and Nicholson, the protagonist, Camille Preaker, 
is a reporter investigating a string of child murders in the small town she grew up in. And I won't go into too much detail about who did it or why, because I don't want to spoil it too much. But it's safe to say that her relationship with her mum was pretty fraught, and her mum was a bit of a toxic, spiteful person. So much so that she might even have been responsible for the death of a child herself. Wow. Her own child? <laughs> Uh, well, I don't want to spoil it too much, okay. but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, if you're the um, advice we can get from that book is that if your mum is that bad, you could just get her imprisoned. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that realistic? Uh, no. So, so it could be really bad like that. But I mean, let's, we could, let's just. For a moment, let's just run with, it might not be that bad. Her mum might actually be quite nice. But, you know, when you're young, when you're that sort of age, late teens, early 20s, you're still not quite emotionally developed fully. And you might not really realise that people are doing things to try and help you. And there's one girl group from the 90s who recognised this in their 1997 hit, Mama. Who am I talking about? Spice Girls. The cause. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, Aaron. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they wrote Mama, obviously. Um, arguably a great piece of art. Arguably. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Mama. Mama! Are we on- <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it goes. <laughs> it sort of is. <laughs> no, yes, yeah, I remember it. And to be fair, that did bring it back. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in, in real life, Real Spice, the official Spice Girls story, <laughs> which I have read. Have you read that, Aaron? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mel B, who, who came up with this idea for the song, um, she said, the sentiment is that your mum is probably the best friend you've got. And the whole theme behind the song is that when they were young, they didn't understand the things their mum was doing and they were like really difficult kids. And actually, they now realise all that she did was love, which is one of the lyrics in the song. So it's like, you know, Peggy, if, if this does describe your situation, could it be that, you know, you're just not quite understanding what your mum's doing? Yeah. Well, I think this point is made very well from um, 2014's Interstellar, directed by Christopher Nolan. Whilst the film is about space travel, saving the planet, the main kind of theme is the relationship between Murphy, the daughter, and um, Matthew McConaughey. The dad, he's not called Matthew McConaughey in the film. Cooper, Cooper, he's Cooper. And basically, he um, he's an astronaut, but he's a farmer because everyone's got to be a farmer to grow food for the dying world. And I think they're only growing wheat now or okra as well. You can do a lot with wheat, though. You can make yeah. wheat bits. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he gets the opportunity to save the world by flying into a black hole. And it means leaving... Murphy behind when she's a kid. How will that save the world? Because. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Because. Well, they, I asked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need to. They've built ships to leave planet Earth. So it's not going to save the world. It's going to save humanity. Sorry. And. Oh, the, what? Like Wally? Like, yeah, basically. <laughs> Going, but in Interstellar, <laughs> unlike Wally, they've not worked out how to get the ships off the ground. And the secret to that is within a black hole, they believe. The secret of gravity. So yeah, so he goes off into the black hole. Oh, there's other bits as well. So that's, that's, that's plan B. Plan A is to find another planet. And so they also visit a couple of planets um, to see if they're habitable. Is Interstellar the one where they go onto the planet and one of them ages? This is, yeah, very good, Liam. So um, Cooper goes on the, on the basis that he's going to come back. He promises Murphy, I'm going to come back. He knows that he might die. He's going to black hole. Who knows if he's going to come back? Murphy hates him. Um, but he think, he does think he's going to come back. And then, but he goes to that planet and they're there for four hours, but it's been like 23 years when he gets back to the the ship. And so Murphy's obviously like in her 30s now and he's missed her growing up completely. There's a really emotional scene where he's watching all the videos that they've collected and he's seen them get older and older. Murphy doesn't drop him any messages in the 23 years. It's um, one of those classic McConaughey scenes. Yeah, it really it? is. Chokes you up. That's, that's real science though, isn't it? It's like one day that might actually happen to someone. Yeah, well that's apparently crazy. it's all like... It's all based on science, apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, I was sort of on board with it until the end. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, I can't remember exactly what happens, but there's some sort of 
he goes he ends up behind a bookshelf or something yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, but in a kind of that's not science you spiritual. can't get behind bookshelves <laughs> no, but it's like in a spiritual I'm a ghost sort yeah. of way and, and I was a bit well it ends up that he they think that there's a other being helping them but it's actually McConaughey helping him helping Murphy solve the problem in the future to the past by rattling science. bookshelves yeah by rattling bookshelves <laughs> Uh, gra- gravity it's all about gravity anyway I'm getting off the point about the, <laughs> the relationship between them so he's been a bit selfish he's bored as a farmer he wants to save the planet save humanity so he, off he goes knowing that he might not see his kid again but he also wants to save his kid so she hates him for going but he's kind of he's trying to save her as well and so we, the point is I think that we might not understand the motivations behind what our parents do but they do love you and they're probably doing doing it for you there might be some selfishness in it because they're human beings but ultimately they're doing the right thing for you usually yeah. unless, I, they're, unless they're murdering children <laughs> unless like they're murdering children I absolutely agree though and when I was researching this I found a book called Amy and Isabel by Elizabeth Strout published by Simon and Schuster now I went into this thinking that looks like a shit book <laughs> but then I got one of my free audible memberships I listened to it on audiobook and it was really good. Um, it's a really fraught mother-daughter relationship. Isabel is the mum. Amy is the daughter. Isabel is kind of a controlling mum. She's reading Amy's diary, listening in to her phone calls in the old days. Do you remember when we had landlines? And you could pick up a different one in the house and listen to the... Oh, phone. yeah. <laughs> Have you not got a landline? I haven't got a landline. No, we yet. haven't either. Really? Yeah. I'm living in the past. Yeah, you're living in the past, Liam. You came here on your horse and cart. So she's doing that, and Amy is a bit of a, obviously, as they always are in these situations, the more controlling you are as a parent, the more rebellious your child wants to be. Uh, Amy's a rebellious teenager. She smokes. She gives her mum attitude. There's a good reason for their animosity, which I won't go into because it will be a big spoiler, but the characters are so well written that it's exactly as you say, Carl. Yes, there's tension and you can kind of understand why Amy wants to act up and why Isabel wants to rein her in a bit. But at the end of the day, she's only doing it because she cares. And Amy can't see that because she's the rebellious teenager who just wants to break out of the chains. But at the end of the day, you just want to make sure they're safe. Just keep them safe, so safe, safe. <laughs> That's all you're doing. You, you, mm. you want to? I, I think I'm going to be terrible when I have kids. So, so one of the things that um, that occurred to me while I was thinking about this problem was sometimes you both just need a bit of space. So you're an adult, you know. Sometimes it depends on your age. It's quite difficult for for people to get houses and stuff these days, or maybe not. But it seems to be turning around lately. But. <laughs> I love how you make make a point and then you immediately contradict it. (laughs) Well, I'm just trying to hedge my bets. (laughs) So another famous um, mother-daughter relationship in music is um, jazz singer Billie Holiday. So for those of you who don't know, Billie Holiday, massively successful jazz singer, um, kind of around, I think she hit the peak of her popularity around the 40s or late 30s. Her mum brought her up alone she was a single black mother which kind of that sort of time period in america was a really difficult life um their their life was kind of really turbulent and torrid so her mum kind of had to turn to prostitution at one point uh, billy herself got involved and they both got arrested for like sex, sex trafficking um, and really from from what i've read um from Stuart nicholson's 1995 biography which kind of really cleared up a lot of ground before that not many people knew a lot about her early life um they were both victims but they ended up both getting arrested for it um but yeah so so they were really had a quite a quite a tough life um eventually though luckily you know billy got famous and she she helped her mum out a lot she gave her a lot of money to open her own restaurant in the end there's a this kind of what we're getting to is this song of hers which depicts a situation which just happened which was Eventually, she started running out of money and she went to her mum who was making a lot of money off her restaurant and she came into a restaurant and she said, Mum, I need a loan. And, you know, you'd, you'd have thought her mum, who's been funded by her, would be all right. Yeah, yeah, no problem. But her mum just said, nope, 
not giving you any money. And Billie Holiday, in a fit of rage, she said to her mum, God bless the child that's got his own. Because little known facts, Billie Holiday was from the East End. <laughs> so, so Billie Holiday, she was, you know, she was stirring about this. And, and in the end, she wrote a song about it called God Bless the Child. And, and the theme of it, it's a little bit up for debate, but it's, my interpretation is like, it sounds like you don't want to be too tied to your parents, especially financially. For, you know, true independence is where the happiness is at. And if you both have a little bit of space, a little bit of independence, then, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, doesn't it? That kind of does prove all of our points as well. Like what Billy Holiday's mum, her actions made her write a massive song to make her loads of money. So maybe she knew, like, no, stand up on your own. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna be a bit of a bitch. You're gonna write a song about it, make loads of money. Maybe she knew that would be that that would happen. Fun fact about Do you reckon at the time she was thinking, um I'm think gonna do right by her by Yeah, <laughs> not helping her one bit. Yeah. Yes. She she was just a visionary. Fun fact about God bless the child. Um, covered by The Simpsons in their, I think it was 1990, I might have got that wrong, album, The Simpsons Sing the Blues. That is a fun fact. Yeah, that is. I like it a lot. Do you remember the Michael Jackson episode? Oh, yeah. Start Graving so Dad. So, so strange, isn't it? It's brilliant. That's, I think it's that's so the, good, I man. still now, like, don't understand. I think... <laughs> was he Michael Jackson? Was it Michael Jackson who voiced it? I don't know, Liam. Um, he... Liam? <laughs> Michael Jackson expert? <laughs> no, because I did, I did look this up. And um, I think it was, it was an impressionist for the talking voice. And there's like some debate as to whether Michael Jackson... Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jackson actually sang the song. But he, he did definitely do a version of it because it's on YouTube. You can, if you Google Michael Jackson, Lisa, it's your birthday. You can yeah. find it. Great song. I, I maintain that that is the first good Simpsons episode. I bought series one to three. I watched them all the way through and I got to that one. I thought... This is it. A, this is brilliant. And Mm. B, this is the first decent one. Okay, so it feels like we're coming to an end of the first problem. Um, Has anyone got any wrap-up points? Does anyone want to make any last points before we move on? I've got a rapper point. Rapper? Yeah. Everyone's favourite. Actually, a lot of people, not not favourite at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're all... Liam, I think you should just commit to some things. (laughs) You're trying to cover all bases. All right, then. Um, So a lot of people don't like him. But <laughs> but, <I'm new. laughs> but we're we're all we've all been fans of his music at some point in the past. Um, of course, Eminem, famous relationship with his mum Debbie Mathers, wrote a song that everyone will. <laughs> wrote a song. <laughs> you can't even commit to everyone will know this. Song. Wrote a song that most people will. Probably most people may of. or may not have heard. <laughs> Wrote, wrote a song that a lot of people will know. You're giving people advice here, Liam, you know. <laughs> you could follow my advice, or you might not. No, 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 no. <laughs> the theme of this podcast should be do not follow my advice. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that bit is true. You could listen to this song, or you could not. <laughs> so, anyway, cleaning out my closet. Everyone knows cleaning out my closet, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, which is a, a real... Some people might not. <laughs> It's a real raw emotional letter to his mum about how much he just didn't enjoy being raised by her, basically. Um, just try to envision witnessing your mama popping prescription pills in the kitchen. He also says, my whole life I was made to believe I was sick when I wasn't. And then, you know, he's talking about his daughter Haley at one point, And he's like, you'll never see her. She won't even be at your funeral. And then he's laughing about it. But, um, you know, Debbie herself did have quite a tough life. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a sad story, really. Um, and he took it back, didn't he? Well, he did take it back, yeah. He took it back. Um, um, yeah, so, so it's a happy-ish ending, although not actually that happy. Um, in, in his Marshall Mothers LP2 song, Headlights, he, he talks a lot about how he regrets what he did. Um, he specifically mentions cleaning out my closet. He says he never plays it in his shows anymore mm. and that he cringes every time he hears it on the radio. Pop quiz, not pop quiz, straw poll. <laughs> <laughs> Pop quiz or not? <laughs> Can't even commit to doing a fucking pop quiz. How often have you heard Cleaning Out My Closet on the radio? Maybe they claim Never. In I don't think I heard it on the radio when it was out. Yeah. No. I've, to be fair, I never listened to the radio. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I do, and I haven't heard it. No. But maybe they played it more at the time. Do, do, do you, I don't hear any Eminem songs on the radio. I suppose it depends uh, what you listen to. Yeah, Spotify. You might be listening to Eminem radio on Spotify. Do you think Eminem sits at home listening to Eminem radio on Spotify? <laughs> <laughs> he does. And every time cleaning out my closet comes on, he's like, oh, oh, no, no. 
<laughs> All yes, right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, Liam, for that have, wrap-up. Have, have we helped Peggy? Uh, oh yeah. What was our advice to Peggy? Well, Just listen to all that, all those songs, Peggy. Well, I think the version on that last one is that the Spice Girls and Eminem aren't so different. <laughs> <laughs> I think to summarise our advice, it was, or what the art says, is that give her a bit of a break. She's probably trying to help, whether it's misplaced or not. Unless she's not trying to help, in which case you could put her in prison. Well, yeah, yeah we've, we've, we've not really addressed in closet. the possibility that... <laughs> or in the closet. <laughs> we've not really addressed the possibility that a mum might just be a really nasty person. So, you know, maybe just try and distance yourself. So maybe we did address that. So, absolutely so no either help. make up with your mum or fall out with her. <laughs> it's your choice. The Liam right. way. <laughs> Can you help me with my problem? I think that it might be a long shot My problem is you see that no one Believes that I am not a robot Executing procedure, problem solving Right, on to problem two I'm scared that I'll never find the one I've always pretended that I love being single And I wouldn't have it any other way So that no one feels sorry for me but really, I hate it, and I just want to find someone to love. I've tried dating sites, one-night stand apps, going out to bars, even sports and social clubs, and I'm sick of it all. What am I doing wrong? So, I know exactly what he's doing wrong. Uh, it could be a she. Sorry, don't know. Shouldn't you assume. can say whatever gender you want, Liam, <laughs> as long as it hurries it along. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't want any of this Liam being indecisive. Anyway, um, I know exactly what's going on here. I know exactly what the problem is. Uh, the problem is you're not playing the odds. How many people are there in the world? Six billion. Uh, close. Eight billion. <laughs> <laughs> Two billion out. <laughs> um, four billion of them are in Asia. Where are you? You're probably not in Asia. <laughs> so you've got to play the odds. You've got we to received the odds. these problems by email, so they could be. Well, they could be. So if you are in Asia, well done. That's step one complete. <laughs> can um, I just... Um, oh, sorry, Liam. No, 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 go on. That's pretty much my point. <laughs> okay, can I just digress slightly and address how complicated the dating scene is nowadays yeah like tell us Carl well we should probably mention that all three of us are married happily married so we're not in the dating game so don't and this is why we think we're the best people to give you advice exactly yeah because we've done it we've nailed it mate yeah but (laughs) completed it (laughs) did all the side missions but even like I sound risk of sounding like an old man in my day you would like a girl ask her do you want to go out with me? And then you'd be boyfriend and girlfriend if they say yeah, I think. I don't think I even did that. <laughs> you just go along with everything. Yeah. It was like, you'll do, and you're like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but um, she was like, or oh, maybe you won't. <laughs> That's what started it all. But like now, it's you see people, don't you? You see them, and you're not exclusive. And it's a big thing to be exclusive. And when you're exclusive, you're not boyfriend and girlfriend. You have to ask that question later. <laughs> it's nuts. Are you sure that everyone lives like this, though? Or um, are you basing it on Love Island. someone... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be basing it on your sister-in-law. I Well, yeah, and my brother-in-law, the young people I know in my life. Okay. They both, well... Because yeah. I reckon there's probably one way to live. I reckon there are still loads of people who do it. People at work are, same, are the same. The young people yeah. I know at work. Yeah, I think this is the way you do it. What does the art say, lads? Who wants to start? I'll start. I think that you may be a victim of writer the you can't commit because you don't know what else is out there and i'm not saying you settle on someone but you don't live your life by seeing oh there might be something better coming along if you've got a good thing Um, and a film that would show you the error of your ways if that is the case it will be 2005's brokeback mountain directed by ang lee this could be your situation exactly you might be a cowboy you might know another cowboy and (laughs) you might love each other how many cowboys do you reckon we get emailing? <laughs> I think this one's a cowboy, definitely. I, I think tell. this email did start with, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't my first um, rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't my first email. <laughs> um, Brokeback Mountain was written by Annie Prue. I think it's only a short story, and it was adapted yeah. into a film. Um, and she's great. She's a really good writer. Really? Anyway, carry on. Yeah. I think the whole point of the film is that obviously their their love is 
forbidden, if you like, in their culture. And Ennis, by, played by Heath Ledger, great performance. Um, he obviously loves Jake Gyllenhaal, Jack Twist, but he doesn't want to commit. He's like, I can't do this to my kids and my wife. And then they both end up getting divorced from their wives anyway, but he still won't. All Jake wants is to live on a ranch with Ennis and just live out their days loving each other like they do. And um, Ennis doesn't. Like you do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so it's really heartbreaking that um, Jake Gyllenhaal's love is unrequited. I haven't oh. seen Brobeck Mountain. It's... I've not seen it. I've read the book, though. No, have you? Yeah, because... Um, what was that podcast that you got me into? S-Town. S-Town. town yeah. yeah. Really good podcast. Yeah, the guy... The guy. Oh, after this episode, listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. And yeah, the, the guy... He reads it like 40 times, doesn't he? Yeah, he calls it... Was it? He calls it the... the sadness bible or something yeah that's like that. it yeah yeah and um so yeah after hearing the glowing review from him i had to read it yeah. was it good um yeah definitely was it really well written as aaron said i'm not much of a literature connoisseur oh yeah we've got, got a guy for that haven't we well to be fair i've only, <laughs> I've only read one of her books but i loved it so uh, my the point you can take from brokeback mountain essentially to summarize is that don't let a good thing pass you by for what so you might think, be um this unnamed person. So we gave a name to the first person. We said we'd, they'd remain anonymous. But well, we gave a name to the first person. So should we just uh, What's a make up name? a name? Make yeah. up a name, yeah. What's a cowboy name? Um, Charlie. Charlie. Is that a cowboy Charlie name? Charlie the cowboy. I don't think so. Charlie the cowboy. <laughs> Rootin' tootin' Charlie. <laughs> oh, Stinky Pete. <laughs> stinky Pete. So maybe that's why he's single. <laughs> Good. Good be. Um, so Stinky Pete you think might be single because everything that could turn into a romantic hmm. uh, possibility for him, he's passing by because he thinks something better will come along. Yeah. You're thinking that might be the case. Yeah, and I want to be careful not to say you should settle on something you're not sure about, but I think you need to be giving things a chance as well. Yeah, I and agree. I th- yeah. yeah, and obviously in Breakback Mountain, we've, we said we'd do spoilers, so I'll spoil it, but um, Jack Twist gets killed. And it's... <laughs> You really went for the spoiler there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. And it's a bit, it's, uh, it's, the official line for his death is that um, a tyre blows up in his face, but it's, actually, it's kind of hinted at that he gets beaten up by homophobic people. Um, and Ennis sends him a postcard and it gets delivered back and it just says deceased on it. Can you imagine finding out someone you love has died by a postcard? And um, there's a scene where he goes to Jack Twist's mum and dad's house and he just like, Sniffs his shirt, which sounds a bit weird, but it's really heartbreaking. It just breaks down. But so, so don't be Ennis. I think sniffing someone's shirt is weird when they're alive, <laughs> but not weird when they're dead. But do you do you not like? Uh, uh, sometimes I have. I don't know whether I should say this. So, sometimes, like if, if sometimes I sniff shirts of dead people. If my wife goes away, right, for a weekend yeah. or something, and I'll be lying in bed. Sometimes it's nice to just like smell their side of the bed. Yeah. I mean, we wash our bed sheets, so... Um... Am I a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> what? Wash bed? No. That's really... Yeah, no, I that's quite lovely, Liam. Am, I, smelling, bit of, am yeah. I a bit of a creep? No, you're... No. no. I think we all love comfort, don't we? Yeah. And our partners comfort us, or they should do, or as you comfort should Comfort the, um, the brand. Yeah. Yeah, we all love comfort. <laughs> We're not a Lenore podcast. So we don't have sponsors yet, just to clarify. <laughs> we have a lot of potential ones. Yeah, we've <laughs> named a lot of companies so far. Mm. I agree with you, Carl. And I think a lot of these, a lot of people who um, kind of really want to find someone but can't kind of style it out and they say, oh, I, don't, I don't want someone. I, I'm fine just living free and easy, guy. <laughs> That's how you talk when you're single. Danny from Greece. <laughs> you better shape up. And, you know, they kind of make it part of their identity. I'm the single fun one. I'm still having fun. I'm single. And I think by doing that, you close yourself off, don't you, to new romantic possibilities because people go, oh, she or he is the single one who loves being single. So I won't approach her or him. So I think that's a risk you take, isn't it? There's a book called Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton, published by Penguin, which this is going to be the first of many occasions where I say, I haven't read this. <laughs> <laughs> but my wife has, and I've, I've read the reviews on Goodreads. Have you read the Sparks so, Notes? <laughs> no, uh, no. But 
from the reviews on Goodreads and what my wife said, that's kind of the message of that. It's kind of a, it's a, I don't know how to say this, Roman Aklef, which is a novel based on someone's life. So there is kind of... Je m'appelle. Just, just that you, like, you didn't know how to say it in English, but you did know the French name for it. No, I mean, I don't know how to pronounce it so that it would oh, okay. sound... That makes more sense. Know, like I know stuff. Um, but that is what it's called when a novel is about, it's loosely based on someone's own life. So it's not an autobiography, but it's... Um, Romana Cliff. Yeah. Don't tell me today. Um, Write that down. <laughs> there's a pop quiz at the end. Or maybe it's not a pop quiz. <laughs> Could be a straw poll. <laughs> uh, so the, I haven't even got to my point yet. <laughs> so what I've heard about this book, and it might not be true, is that she's writing about her own life and the focus in it is I should have been happier being single because I had love from my friends. And yes, that is a lovely thing to focus on. But if you make the your identity being the single one who loves, I don't need a man because, or I don't need a woman or whatever, because I'm just having fun being single. You shut yourself off to that possibility, I think. But as I say, I haven't read it, so I don't know. And I've also been recommended it quite a bit so maybe it's a really good book we'll come back to this in a few episodes time (laughs) maybe everything i've said is bullshit (laughs) just doing the liam get out (laughs) maybe it's a good book or maybe it's not i might recommend it but i might not can we just have a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast saying some of what we say might be a load of rubbish and then we don't have to keep doing probably they've got that within the first three minutes of the podcast <laughs> yeah. these guys are speaking shit <laughs> this podcast contains shit <laughs> so the, the way i look at it there's there's two things that pete can do here he could mope around and dwell on it and be i honest. wondered who pete was then you need to say stinky pete. <laughs> okay sorry oh. <laughs> we don't know who it is i think it's always charlie but it is stinky pete, M- mr it? pete stinky's his first name right <laughs> yeah mr pete <laughs> so he could mope around about it, like Sting does in The Police's 1978 single, So Lonely. Now, I love The Police. Um, I'll be the first to say that I think the they're filth. a brilliant, brilliant band. Right, so, so So Lonely by The Police, right, and, and Sting is singing... Is from... that not Acorn? No, that's a slightly different song about being lonely. It's a similar sort of vibe, um, except Acorn doesn't quite... I think his lyrics are a little bit more... Um, varied so there's there's a quote i've got to give you an example of uh, of how varied the lyrics to so lonely are especially towards the end of the song uh, lonely i'm so lonely i feel so alone i feel low i feel so feel so low i feel low low i feel low 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 i feel low i feel low i feel low i feel so lonely is he a bit unhappy he's very lonely are you having a stroke you want to call the police <laughs> so, so you could take stroke unit kind of Sting's approach and just mope around about it and go on about it for a while. You could listen to that song; it's a decent song. Um, fun fact about that song is that uh, allegedly Sting admitted intentionally ripping off the chords to "No Woman No Cry" by Bob Marley. Outrageous! When you think about it, "No Woman No Cry" by Bob Marley has a little bit more in the way of advice about the situation. It's around... That was the smoothest segue. I know that I've ruined it by saying it, but that was really smooth. Good podcasting, Liam. <laughs> Top podcasting. It's only episode one. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, and when you think about it, No Woman, No Cry is a bit more of a, a better advice for this situation. It's more around, you know, everything is going to be all right. You know, don't worry too much about it. Don't cry about it. Just focus on, you know, carrying on. Everything will be all right in the end. But I mean, in terms of actual advice that might help a little bit more, um, we can turn to Journey in 1981. Everyone's favourite Journey song, possibly a lot of people's only song that they know by Journey. Uh, Don't Stop Believing, of course, is what I'm talking about. The song that gained a resurgence in popularity after being used in the... Family Guy. Sopranos. (laughs) Sopranos, Cole will tell you, finale. Definitely. Um, Also made slightly more popular by a certain cover cover version. (laughs) Um, in Glee no I think both were in 2007 were they both in the same year not quite sure oh, shit. Sopranos was before 2006 Sopranos was, was it before yeah right. so Glee, Glee was 2007 so yeah so um, 
But yeah, the, the lyrics are a little bit open to interpretation, but there's some reference in it to small town girls living in lonely worlds and street light people living just to find emotion. And, and to me, that kind of hints at, you know, there's a struggle to find happiness there, and which is quite powerful when you really think about it. And I think the verdict from Journey is, you know, you might be feeling low now, but don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. And, you know, things, <laughs> things will work lights, out for you. People. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. And I think uh, while you are single, and this goes against what I said earlier, don't make yourself the single one who's just having fun being single. Have fun and be single. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I think if you really try hard to find love, it's going to escape you. So I think you should just, you know, enjoy being single for a while. There's a brilliant series of books called Tales of the City by Armistead Maupin, published by Black Swan, which is about a group of friends living in San Francisco. I think it was in the 70s, 80s. Did this become a series? Because I think my mum used to watch it. Yes, I think Mm. it was uh, adapted into a TV series and I think maybe a film? But it's about a group of friends just having fun. They're all, most of them are single or in relationships that are kind of, well, a lot of them are having affairs and stuff. I don't know whether their relationships were supposed to be open or, but you could just spend this time, Stinky Pete, enjoying yourself, putting yourself out there, getting into crazy situations. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. (laughs) Some of the crazy escapades they get into in these books involve moving to new cities to meet new friends, having affairs and winning small amounts of money in underwear dancing contests. Enjoy yourself, Stinky Pete. Yeah. To um, refute you and tell, say, don't do that and adhere to Aaron's original advice, I'm going to bring up a film with a quote. You're not ready for my big move. Oh. I, said, I said to my wife Blank yesterday, look. Ryan Gosling... Or Ryan Reynolds. Ooh. Gosling all the way, surely. She couldn't choose, but I would say Gosling all the way. I would Gosling. Yeah. yeah. He could get my goose. <laughs> Is that a swan? No, I think you're right. What's the baby swan, Liam? Signet. Uh, yeah. It is a goose. <laughs> he said uh, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bob is Liam. What's your poll? <laughs> so, Crazy Stupid Love, 2011. A classic rom-com that... I urge anyone to watch. Have you still not watched this, Liam, even though we recommended it no, wholeheartedly? No, so something that you will learn about me is I don't really watch films. Um, that's not true. I've, so I've been watching the Avengers series lately. <laughs> but maybe I do. Um, I don't watch films. Or maybe I do. But I don't really watch a lot of films, uh, especially films that are kind of a lot of people have seen and are quite heavily in like pop culture references and that sort of thing. Um, you'll often get a blank look from me if you make a reference. But Liam said earlier today that he watched Shawshank Redemption last year. For the first time. For the first time. What the fuck? But Have you never watched ITV2? It's always on there. Every yeah, day. it's on loop. <laughs> but also, when you haven't watched film, what a wonderful mm. thing that you, you can discover. I wish I could watch Shawshank for the first time. Yeah, can you imagine? Liam's got a world of, if he actually bothers to watch anything, of, <laughs> of adventure out there. I can't him. remember if I've read the book or not. Um, you can't remember. I can't remember if you, because I know you bought me, you bought me a few Stephen King books. Yeah, I think I bought um, you The Green Mile once, didn't You I? definitely bought me The Green Mile, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if you bought me Shawshank Redemption. So if you did, then I've read it. But if you didn't, then I probably I think haven't. that might only be a short story again. Shawshank Redemption. Ah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that not, rings a bell. Know. Maybe I have read it. I've never read it. So now we're talking know. about it, can we... Uh... <laughs> you can carry on, Carl, no. if you want. So, yeah, Carl, tell us about the Shawshank Redemption. Can we, is, it, is it a good time to bring up Aaron's Morgan Freeman impression? <clears throat> I wish I could say Andy Dufresne put up a good fight. I wish I could say that. Perfect. Amazing. <laughs> There's a... That's not even the line. I found out recently that's not the line. It's something like... um. I wish I could say Andy Dufresne. No, fuck it. No, he does say it. I don't think he says Dufresne. He says... No, I think it's the put up a good fight bit. That yeah, that is wrong. wrong. No, oh, I think that's really? the wrong bit, yeah. You've, said it, you've done that impression so much that I'll literally... <laughs> I, that's, that's what a, you hear when you watch it. That's definitely the film. I just hear that over and over again, yeah. How, that's all Morgan Freeman says. How, how far do you go with your Morgan Freeman impressions? That's, that's all I can do. I can't, I can't remember who it is, but there's somebody does um, Michael Caine impressions for like 
three phases of his life, like a young Michael Caine, slightly older, and then like Batman Michael Caine, where he's a lot older. And, um, I think I can uh, do that. No, that's all I can do. Yeah. Sorry. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. That's Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess the film. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's Batman. Italian job. Yeah, I remember that bit as well. Yeah. Um, back to Crazy Stupid Love. Not sure Shaman Redemption. That can't help you, Stinky Pete. We might do. Unless your love life is like shoveling through shit yeah. to escape a to prison of pain. <laughs> <laughs> Which some relationships are. Hmm. Well, you could start a new life in Mexico. Is it Mexico? Don't know. Anyway, Crazy Stupid Love. Ryan Gosling is the, the best single person in the world. There's a montage of him taking girls home from this bar that he goes to every night. And he just goes, do you want to get out of here? Let's get out of here. And they all go with him. If you said that to me, I'd I'll go, go with him. him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, but Emma Stone comes along. And he's got a big move. She asked me about the big move. Like, what's your big move? And it's the uh, dirty dancing, hold him in the air thing. And um, he says to Emma Stone, you're not ready for my big move. And she's like, I'm totally ready for your big move. So, and she is ready. <laughs> and it turns out. How deep is her voice? Huh? I'm Emma Stone. <laughs> I'm ready for your big move. <laughs> I'm so ready for your big move. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then he does the big move and usually that leads to the deed but it doesn't in the case of Emma Stone because she's the one and they they stay up all night talking instead and um, he says to her like I buy loads of shit to furnish my house because I'm deeply unhappy I spent £5,000 on a chair and stuff like that so you know single Pete stinky single Pete Emma, <laughs> your Emma Stone might come along you might not have got her yet but if you're, maybe your lack of commitment, like Ryan Gosling, has made you deeply unhappy and you're just kind of using women to get, you know, just get through day to day like he was and uh, find someone that is ready for your big move or give, use your big move on some people and, you know. Yeah, get your big move them, out, Stinky Pete. Give them a chance. Um, I, I just kind of say like, yeah, and, and I think the thing is, don't try too hard. I think we've already said this, but the Supremes in 1966 would have told you that you can't hurry love. That was Phil Collins. <laughs> um, so actually, Phil Collins did cover it, obviously, <laughs> um, in 1982. Um, did you know, fun fact about Phil Collins' cover, uh, he, when he covered it, he wasn't trying to do like a cover version that was like a Phil Collins song. He was trying to completely remake the original and get that 60s, authentic 60s sound. So it's 16 years later in, in the 80s. And he was like, I really want to make the song sound like it did back then. Why didn't they just not cover it? Because <laughs> it was from the 60s. <laughs> Why don't they just listen to the original? They want it to sound like the original. Well, I get the impression that he really liked the song. No, yeah. And to be fair, the Phil Collins version is probably more famous, isn't it? And it's uh, a tune. Probably, possibly. Tune. Maybe in the UK. I don't know, I don't know about America because Phil Collins is obviously British. Yeah. Is it obvious? So, so when, when the Supremes recorded it, uh, they released it, fun fact, another fun fact, they released it five days before England won the World Cup. <laughs> In anticipation. And, and I, was, I was really hoping that I'd be able to say it was number one when England won the World Cup, but it wasn't, it wasn't even in the UK charts that week. They could have recorded a version that was, you can't hurry cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you just have to wait, we won it. You don't need to wait. <laughs> You've just won it easy. <laughs> All right, I think we're, we're done. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're getting so the, the, twenty anyway, twenty one euros. Um, that song actually is the only song I've mentioned that has some really good advice. Which is obviously you can't hurry it. You've got to trust and give it time. So you know, don't yeah. don't go out of your way. And and I think also you know we've been skirted around this. Appreciate your life as it is. You, you know, grass is always greener and all that. You wanna you wanna find happiness for yourself. Maybe it's a mentality shift. Maybe you wanna stop thinking about finding love. And think about finding happiness. You know, try new things. Go meet new people with similar interests. And you might, you might find your one true love that Absolutely. way. If there is such a thing. In San Francisco. So we're saying, don't hurry love. Don't settle. But give people a chance. And... Carl, it's the agony art way to cover all of our bases. <laughs> Either <laughs> enjoy being single... Or don't. Don't forget about the last option. Do none of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on as you are, Stinky Pete. Um, You're good. Whatever happens, Stinky Pete, just be grateful that you are not in a toxic relationship 
like maybe Anastasia Steele, I think her name is, from Fifty Shades of Grey, written by E.L. James and published by Arrow. Let me give you some quotes from Fifty Shades of Grey. Why don't you like to be touched? That's Anastasia Steele. Can you redo it in the voice of Gilbert Gottfried? No, because Gilbert Gottfried is... um, (laughs) uh, What's his name? Christian Gray. Gray. Dorian Gray, that's it, yeah. He never ages. (laughs) Why don't you like to be touched? Because I'm 50 shades of fucked up, Anastasia! (laughs) (laughs) What? Cave of Wonders! I think that's definitely going to clip. How, how obscure is that reference, do you think? <laughs> oh, anyone in our generation will know that. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. Gilbert Gottfried reading the... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have need to have seen it. Another quote is, I don't make love. I fuck. Hard. Hard? <laughs> Hard? <laughs> so, you know... This sounds shit. <laughs> whatever happens, Stinky Pete. At least you're not Anastasia Steele. I once had a problem that I couldn't solve. I went to the preacher, he couldn't save my soul. I sent for the doctor. He said, I don't know. Then I listened to this podcast. And madness took hold. On to problem three. I helped my friend get a job at my workplace. And now he's swaggering around like he owns the place, giving me advice on stuff I've been doing for years and generally acting like he's the Don. How do I get him to realise he's the new guy and he needs to act like it? Lads, have either of you ever recommended someone for a job? I have, and it was didn't work out on two occasions. I'm not going to go into details, but my advice would Name be... Name names. Don't do it. Alternatively, because <laughs> that's not very helpful advice, is it? Um, Because it's already been done. Why not just go to your boss and say, look, I'm going to be honest, I made a terrible mistake. (laughs) Can you you sack my friend? Yeah, Yeah, but that's assuming that you're saying to your boss, he's swaggering around, I don't like it. It doesn't mean he's bad at the job, does it? What if his swaggering is justified? What if he is actually better at the job than Bill? Bill. Bill the writer. Did you just make that up? I made that up on the spot. Could you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, maybe we, but we're, we're taking Bill's word for it that... Well, Bill hasn't said he's bad at the job. He just doesn't like his attitude. That's and, true. Um, maybe even Bill knows that this swaggering is justified. Mm. But as uh, the film tells us that it might start out not as you planned. Um, 1997's Men in Black starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Will Great Sm- film. Yeah, Liam loves... This is the one film Liam's seen. <laughs> Um, and he probably likes the song as well. I think I, I think I taped it on Channel Four. I'm showing my age here. But, uh, when I when I was a youngling and I watched it about on, probably, on, probably about fifteen times. Taped it on long play, did you? <laughs> Had to be long play. You can you can get that on short play. <laughs> um, so, well, they're, they're not, I don't think they're friends beforehand. But Will, um, Toby Lee Jones sees Will Smith chasing down a criminal. Thinks he's the kind of new blood we need for the MIB. And he takes him under his wing and he starts off, he's whiny, he doesn't like the car, doesn't like the suits, doesn't like his, he wants the big gun, not the little gun. He's a bit of a loose cannon, isn't he? He's a loose cannon, but he's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so he he must be thinking what Bill's thinking at the time. Look at this guy, what have I done? Swagging around, wanting the big guns, wanting to change the car. And then... Actually, Will Smith saves the galaxy. Um, so if Bill gives his friend a bit of time and space, maybe he will shoot a giant cockroach that's trying to take over the world. Water. That's what he says at the beginning. I don't, I don't know if he's Irish, but sugar, he definitely says yeah. it. Sugar water in it, yeah. Sugar maybe. water. <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah, give him an opportunity to save the galaxy. Like, it's early days, I'd imagine. Um, Have you watched Daredevil on Netflix? Yes. You know Kingpin? He's the sugar water guy. No way. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh my god. When I watch that, we would look at I, everything I watch. I, IMDb. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> IMDb'd him, and I was like, "That's insane." No way. That is, he's yeah. so small. They look completely different, isn't it? He doesn't look like Kingpin there. <sighs> I'm not lying, Carl. Thank you, Wesley. That's my Kingpin impression. That was good, Wesley. Now do um, Richard Madeley playing Kingpin. Thank you, Wesley. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, um, more, more obscure impressions. Is, is that our niche? <laughs> yeah, so um, take a leaf out of Tommy Lee Jones' book and give him a chance, maybe. There's more examples from film, but let's, uh, what have you got from the book world, Aaron? <laughs> oh, uh, well, I think, um, I think maybe Bill's friend is trying to cutthroat his way to the top. He's trying to pull a Francis Urquhart from House of Cards, which is a, the first of a series of books by Michael Dobbs, published by Harper Collins, later adapted into a Netflix series, and also adapted by the BBC as well in the 80s, possibly. The thick of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> that was the early 2000s, anyway. That is brilliant, though. Yeah, it like, is brilliant, yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, but it was set in the UK, wasn't it? The yeah the books and the original bbc series netflix one is set in the us and starring kevin spacey but basically the uh, the protagonist is an anti-hero he's a bastard doesn't care who he tramples on to get to the top a quote from the book politics requires sacrifice the sacrifice of others of course that is basically francis urquhart's mantra he doesn't care who he has to Killed, and I think he does kill at some points. Spoiler to, to get to the top. Maybe, Bill, that's what your friend is like. Maybe you don't want to get in his way because your career will suffer as a result. Well, how about from one type of sacrifice to another? What I'd say to Bill is, how much do you enjoy your job, Bill? If the answer is, hmm, actually not that much. Changing your career completely if you're not happy is not the worst idea in the world and it's certainly not uncommon you might even want to burn all bridges in the process like johnny paycheck did what a great name for a guy who wrote this song in uh, 1977 when he recorded take this job and shove it <laughs> now this is a this is a quintessential kind of country and western style uh, like american song where johnny paycheck is all like take your job and shove it I ain't working here no more. Is that how it goes? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, you could take his advice. You could, you could tell your boss and your friend where to go. You can walk out in spectacular fashion. Um, in, Johnny, in Johnny Paycheck's case, he just, he's, I think his wife had just left him. Um, and he was like, you know what? I don't need this job anymore and I don't need you. So, you know, shove it. That sounds a bit, you know, like, what did his job do? It's like my wife's left me. So you can shove your job up your ass. It's like, <laughs> I, think, I think he's taking out on the wrong people, isn't he? Well, maybe he's been unhappy there for a long time and only, only hanging in there. We don't know enough. But you need to the money. sing the whole song, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can get you some more lyrics if you're, if you're interested. I mean, there's, I've been working in this factory for nigh on 15 years. How long ago was this song written? He said 70s, didn't he? Is it out of copyright yet? Um, that's a, that's a fair should, question probably not you should probably limit the number of lyrics you quote what, what's the magic number how many can I say <laughs> I think you're done take, take your lyrics and shove them I mean if this is going to be a problem we've already quoted quite a lot <laughs> there'll be a lot of um, redacting yeah. <laughs> so you reckon you should quit that's quite an extreme move though for Bill isn't it yeah, I hate know, my don't... friend being arrogant in his job so much that I'm going to quit yeah but, you know, it's a power play, isn't it? You're well, he hates it enough exactly to write into a podcast, yeah. so... Yeah. I already you, know he's petty. Have you ever seen an explosive exit at your work? <laughs> have I seen someone shit themselves? <laughs> <laughs> that. Or that was an explosive exit, Jeremy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen an explosive exit. There was one guy I worked with who had a meeting with someone quite senior to himself that by all accounts went very badly and he was escorted from the premises Ooh. that afternoon. That's Jeez. the worst stuff. This is real bad. Yeah. But I didn't actually witness the shouting match if there was one. 
Yeah, I've never had any explosive exits. <laughs> <laughs> you might do off that pizza. <laughs> yeah. So when I was researching this, I was searching for coo- uh, cooks, books <laughs> involving cocky people. And it turns out there are a lot of romance novels starring cocky men. I'm going to list some for you. Cocky client, cocky roomie, cocky roommate, cocky cowboy, cocky chef, cocky playboy, cocky cage fighter, cocky hero club, cocky thief, cocky dog, and Mr. Cocky. Is this, is this, is this euphemistic? It's, yeah, it's a very much a, a double entendre. <laughs> double. Double. <laughs> Where they, you know, they're saying... Um, this I think it's a it's a trope that you know arrogant men are sexy, and also if you use the word cocky, hmm. I think we all know what they're referring to. Yeah. Chickens, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it all started with cocky bastard. I think this was the origin. Day one of cockiness was cocky bastard by Penelope Ward and V. Keeland, published by Ever After Romance. Researching this, you know, you get into a lot of cocky territory. And I stumbled upon Cockygate. Have either of you heard of Cockygate? I haven't heard it of It sounds like the sort of thing I wouldn't want to stumble upon. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to Google it. So one romance writer, Felina Hopkins, she got a bit too cocky. She tried to trademark the word cocky and started sending out infringement claims to other authors who had the word cocky in their title. Now, as you just heard... There are quite a few of those people, and quite a few of them were before her as well. So she starts sending out these infringement claims. Amazon starts taking books down off of Amazon, hurting the income of other authors. Well, they're all, they're all self-employed as well, right? So it's just... Exactly. If you're self-published, you've, you're losing income immediately. Surely not Cocky Cage Fighter. <laughs> cocky Cage... I don't know if Cocky Cage Fighter was... That was in your list. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it yeah. was affected, though, oh. by uh, this. So I don't know if I want to you... mess with them. <laughs> so... These infringement claims basically said, if you don't change the name of your book, we are not putting it back on Amazon. And some people change their books, change the names. So you have to then change all the marketing. Mm. People who have read the book and spread it by word of mouth are then no marketing for you because they read Cocky Roommate, for example. I don't know if that book was affected again. And they recommend it to their friends. How many people would recommend in these books to their friends? Oh, we don't know, Liam. What's a good synonym for cocky? What do they change it to? Arrogant. Spunky. <laughs> that is good. That is really good. They should have gone with that in the first place. Um, a lot of them changed it to things like arrogance. So some people did change their book titles. Others fought back. And in the end, the Romance Writers of America, which is an association of romance writers, contacted a lawyer and they intervened with Amazon to stop them suspending any more books with cocky in the title. Well, yeah, because what are the rules on trademarking a word? Surely there's only so much I think you can can trademark a word. So, um, for instance, Apple have trade... Now, I'm going to preface this with I am not a copyright lawyer. (laughs) 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 Um, I think you can trademark a word for a specific use. So Apple have trademarked the word Apple for computers. But you're still allowed to eat apples. <laughs> you're still allowed to eat apples and sell apples as apples. <laughs> I think you can copyright it for a certain purpose, but you're, you can have your copyright claim challenged by people who think you don't deserve it. So, And that's what they did. Eventually, they challenged her claim to the copyright, saying there are already books named this and... She's trampling on people's livelihoods and whatever. And she realised she was wrong after much drama and an internet pile-on, which, you know, is hurtful to anyone. And while we're on the subject, John Ronson's book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, is all about internet pile-ons. Brilliant book. After internet pile-on, she realised she was wrong and she gave up her trademark claims. But she got too cocky. So the advice here from Felina Hopkins is... Bill, maybe you should just let your friend carry on being arrogant and cocky, if I'm allowed to use such a word. And he'll trip himself up in the end. Give him the rope to hang himself. Yeah. By the cock. (laughs) (laughs) So another another song, a bit more chirpy. Well, you think it's chirpy, 
But if, if you listen to the lyrics, <laughs> it's positively psychopathic. <laughs> I wouldn't say psychopathic, but there's there's a bit of a darker undertone to it. So, um, and everyone will know this one, Nine to Five by Dolly Parton. So back on the old country dun, and western dun, theme. Dun, 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 yeah, what a great song, right? How upbeat, bouncy. That's how it starts, right? Is that your Dolly Parton impression? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair to Cole, that is exactly how it starts. Um, and and yeah, you know, it's kind of remembered as this chirpy, upbeat tune. But if you if you listen to the lyrics, it's all about how she how downtrodden she feels at work and how she feels that all she's doing is lining the pockets of the boss man. So uh, you've gone into two songs there. Have either of them got advice for Bill? Well, so Dolly Parton has a bit of advice right at the end. She says, "It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it." So the implication should... being, don't let it drive you crazy. Okay. <laughs> you mean Bill should let himself go crazy? <laughs> I'm going to, there's more because there's more to life than work, right? So don't worry about yeah. it too much. I'm going to nail it for Bill. Go on. And picture the scene. You're you've just been employed to do a very important task, and then your friend happens to be around at the time that you get appointed to this task, and they say, "Oh, go on, you go along as well. You you can do it as well. You're you can help him." And then he messes everything up. He's he's a bumbling fool. He clanks his pots and pans all over the place. You get a third person in, or third being in that um, being? shows you. Well, he's not really a person. Where's this going? <laughs> who, who you really need to show you the way and show you how to do it? A contractor, if you will. Oh right, yeah. And um, the other your mate doesn't get on with him, hates him, fights with him, to the point where you say to your mate, "You got to go on the side of a mountain, back home with you, Sam." <laughs> He's eating all your Lambus bread. You've got no food. <laughs> now, you suddenly, you just got the contract. You don't really know. You don't really trust, but you're relying on him to get to Mount Doom. <laughs> <laughs> How many jobs does this apply to? <laughs> and so you get to, well, and then you get caught by orcs and, and wrapped up in a, a spider web by Shelob, the big spider. Your contract is fucked off at this point. He's like, I've had enough of this. Um, and then you're, you're, you're doomed. You're basically doomed. And then your mate, being the mate he is, he didn't go home. He tracked you. Kills, doesn't kill the spider, but maims the spider. Saves you from the orcs. Carries you to the mountain. And then you fuck him around by not throwing the ring in. Mm-hmm. And then, and then f- the contractor comes back and bites your finger off. <laughs> he does. And the contractor, so he's right about the contractor, <laughs> who actually saves the day by falling into Mount Doom with the ring. Um... But give him a break, all right? He might not be great. He might not be perfect, but he will help you get to Mount Doom. And he never do drops you, eaves. Do you want to um, say what film you're talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> or are we just going to leave Some things are better left unsaid. This is the listener's homework. Tell us, tell us what film we're talking about. <laughs> is that a pop quiz? <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's 2001 to 2003's Lord of the Rings trilogy. So, you know, put faith. There's a reason you're a friend with Sam, Bill, Frodo. Remember it. Remember that. Hold on to that and try and, you know, give him a bit of a break, I think. Don't do what the other two guys are saying. Don't quit your job <laughs> and don't hang him. What a cock. <laughs> All right, cool. So it sounds like we're reaching the end there with Lord of the Rings beautifully executed, Carl. Has anyone got any wrap-up points for the third problem before we move on not really i mean I, I don't know what's what's our conclusion have we got a conclusion i think it's like all the other conclusions we haven't given any solid advice <laughs> we've said <laughs> these are all of your options and we recommend choosing none of them i, I actually found a very <laughs> very applicable situation from a tv show um sorry I'm, I'm straying out of my area i hope that's okay so i was referring to uh, a friend's episode uh, that came out in 1996 um think it was season three don't quote me on that that might be wrong is it the, the one with what it's, all the one with it's the one with the chicken pox the aside to the main story is um a, a subplot of joey getting a job with chandler um now because joey's an actor he's down on his luck he hasn't got any jobs so chandler says well i could get you a, a kind of short-term job as a data processor and joey's like well i don't really know anything about data processing though and chandler says to him well you're an actor why don't you just act as if you are one so Joey's like, yeah, all right. So he creates this persona called Joseph. And Joseph is a complete dick. And he's, he's like, they're talking in front of Chandler's boss and Joseph's going like, 
what have you done about this, Bing? Chandler's surname's Bing. And he's like, yeah, what's all that about, Bing? And he's being a complete dick about it. Now, the way Chandler resolves it is he creates his own persona called Chandy, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, and Chandy sleeps with Joseph's wife, who doesn't exist, by the Fictional way. Fictional wife. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they have a big bustle about this. And in the end, they both agree that Joey needs to leave. So Joseph needs to leave. Joseph needs to leave, yeah. And Joey. Subsequently, <laughs> can't one stay on. So I think to answer Bill's dilemma, all you need to do is find your friend's fictional wife and sleep with her. Become Billy. One, <laughs> Billy. one more alternative that he sh- probably shouldn't pursue. <laughs> <laughs> all right, nice. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. So if you've got a problem you'd like to us to attempt to solve, I really fucked that up, didn't I? First episode, and I fucked it up. If you've got a problem you'd like to attempt us, fuck. <laughs> attempt us, please. <laughs> okay, third attempt. If you've got a problem you'd like us to attempt to solve, you can reach us on our group Instagram and Twitter accounts at Agony Art Podcast or by emailing problems at agonyartpodcast.com. I'd like to thank our resident Agony Aunts for their contributions. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Carl. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with more problems to muddle our way through and more entertainment for you to check out. See ya. Bye. But I'd suggest keep it light because their advice can't be shite and they won't be held liable. Oh no, not at all. Not here at Agony Agony Agony